You know, there's power in a good question. I'll give you an example. Um, when I went to be interviewed by the Board of Ordained Ministry to be approved to be ordained as an elder in the United Methodist Church, this was the culmination of a process for me and so many others. And when I say process, I mean process. I'd been to seminary, gotten a Master's of Divinity degree, a, a three-year degree. I got it done in six. Um, <laughs> and, and then I had already been before the board once to be interviewed, and this is what we do, the preliminary interview, to approve you to then go into a ministry setting and operate for three years as a pastor in training, sort of an apprenticeship where you're supervised and mentored and meet with another group or with a group of people doing the same thing. And we met monthly for three years. And then during those three years, then you write paperwork that you turn into the board that explains everything about what you believe about God, your theology, or what you understand about the doctrine of the Methodist church and the church in general. You write about how you practice and live out the disciplines of the faith. You preach a sermon and they review and critique your sermon. You write a Bible study and they critique and review that. Then they do a more personal inspection. I mean, you have to take a psychological exam. You, uh, you have to have your finances, your background check, all that kind of stuff. It's a process. But it culminates in this interview where you go before a board after you've written all this paperwork and submitted it and they've read it, this board, you're basically like defending a thesis, this board of people who've already been ordained and, and others of them are, are just church members who've been in the church a long time. And then you're fair game. They can ask you any question they want to ask you about anything you wrote or anything you didn't write. And you just have to be ready. And, and the board's broken up into three sections. You go to three interviews. One of them is theology and doctrine. And that's the one that had me sweating the most. I mean, it was, what do you know about what we believe about God? Which in itself just seems a little bit more than we could handle. But, but so I, I was trying to get myself psyched up for the theology and doctrine interview. So I was prepared to answer any kind of questions they might ask about what do I know about the theory of substitutional atonement? Uh, what do I understand about the history of the church and uh, particularly Methodism, what are the tenets that make Methodism unique? What, what, are they gonna, what could they possibly ask me about theologians, any of that kind of stuff? I was, I was ready. And I went and sat down before the interviewing team, and the chair of the team was Reverend Dr. Royce Stowe. She's the senior pastor now at Lawrenceville First Methodist Church. She might be five feet tall, a uh, full head of short, solid gray hair. The rumor was she'd been in the military, uh, maybe as a nurse, and she was the chair of this team. And so when I walked in and sat down and she's right across the table from me, there were other people. I didn't see them. I saw Dr. Stowe <laughs> and I was scared to death. You know, her reputation preceded her. And so she said first, welcome, Eric. Would you like a bottle of water? And I said, no, thank you. I'm fine. Let's get this over with. And, uh, and then her first question to me was, what's the one thing you were hoping we wouldn't ask you about? Thanks. <laughs> what a good question to ask in a moment like that. Man, there's power in good questions. And, and in fact, Jesus had a knack for asking good questions, thought-provoking questions, the kind of questions that challenge us and inspire us. And that's why for these four weeks, we're spending time looking at good questions that Jesus asked. And, and I think this will be helpful and useful for you if you're a Christian or not a Christian. Just that you'll hear things that 
hopefully will be meaningful and thought-provoking for you, maybe even helpful for you on your journey. So last week, we started with Jesus' first good question, and that's, what are you looking for in your life? What are you looking for? And we gave everybody a composition notebook and a number two pencil, and we invited you to take a minute, either last Sunday or through the weekend, write down. What are you looking for? If you weren't here last week or you didn't get one, we've got some more. They're up here. You can come get one. I mean, you can come now if you want to, or you can get one after we're done. But we've got the notebooks and the number two pencils. Something for you to keep, and maybe you write in beyond just last Sunday or this Sunday. But this week, we're going to turn to another good question that Jesus asks. And that is, who do you say that I am? This is another powerful question because there's so much wrapped up in it about Jesus, about God, about us. And just to give you a little context for when he asked this question, I'm going to read it in a minute, the conversation he was having with his disciples when he posed this question to them. And I'll read from Matthew, but to set it up, Jesus had been going around for a minute teaching and preaching and healing and performing miracles, and the word was starting to get out about him and who he was and what he was doing, and he was starting to draw a crowd. When he would go places, people would come to see him and to hear him and to experience the miraculousness of Jesus. But at the same time, while he was drawing this crowd of interested, curious people, he was also getting the attention of some people who didn't particularly care for him. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, these were sects or groups within Judaism, and they were representative of the leaders, the religious leaders of the time. And Jesus had gotten their attention, and they didn't care too much for what he was teaching and preaching and where it contradicted them. And and he also had gotten eventually the the attention of the governmental leaders as he said some things that were very much in opposition to the governmental rule of the day. By the way, if you or anybody you know says Jesus was not political, read again. A lot of what he said was a direct challenge to the rule under which they lived at the time. And so Jesus was beginning to make some enemies, people who weren't too happy about him. And so then as he's going around and his disciples are following, he stops And he turns to them and he asks them a question. And so that's what I want to read for you. This is from Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. We always put this on the app. And so if you want to have it where you can read it yourself, and there's even a place to make notes, you can find that on the Chapel Roswell app. We're going to put it up here on the screens as I read it out loud. Matthew 16, 13 through 16. And this is what it says. Now, when Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the human one is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, or baptizer. (laughs) Others, Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And then he said, And what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, You are the Christ the son of the living God. What a good question that Jesus asks. Who do you say that I am? In fact, he really asked two questions in there. So this, I guess, is 
bonus question Sunday. You get two questions for the price of one. Hashtag bonus question Sunday. That, uh, Jesus starts with this question, who do they say that the human one is? And when he says human one, some translations say son of man, all caps. Um, it's a reference to the prophecy about the Messiah, the Christ, being of the lineage and the line of King David, and so that there would be a human being who would be born, who would be the Messiah, the Christ, the one who would deliver them and restore them. And so Jesus is connecting with that. In fact, in the story is told in Mark, Mark puts the question this way. Jesus says, who do they say that I am? So when Jesus says, who do they say that the human one is? He's talking about himself. He's asking them, who do they say I am? And this may be a setup question for something coming later, right? Or maybe he's tossing them a softball, something that's easier to answer because it's a lot easier for us to talk about other people than it is for us to talk about ourselves. And plus he's saying they, who did they say I am? It's kind of a broad reference. Who does he mean by they? On the one hand, he may be talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the leaders of the government, the people who are skeptical of him and would challenge who he is. You know, if they'd had Twitter back in the day, I suspect that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people like them would have been blowing up hashtag Jesus with all kinds of criticisms and critiques and hate. And, and so we wondered, you know, what are people saying today? People who don't follow Jesus, that's who he's talking about. The people who don't follow me, what do they say about me? And so we just went and checked on Twitter, um, hashtag Jesus, and looked for what people are saying about Jesus. And in and amongst the good things and the compliments and the praises and celebrations, you know, there's also some comments that people made that were um, concerning a little bit, if you will, and representative of maybe a perspective about Jesus and Christianity that we're not used to hearing or talking about. Somebody said, if you don't know, Christ Jesus is a fabricated story. Somebody else said, Jesus is gay. I'm not even sure what that's supposed to mean. Uh, somebody else said, Jesus is a socialist. Someone else said, Jesus is just a person who cuts my grass. Mm -hmm. Somebody else said, Jesus is fake, just like any other fairy tale. There was another one that said, Jesus is Christian, but not white, like at all. And somebody else said, Jesus is insane. It, there would have been similar comments being made about Jesus at his time. And so when he asked, who do they say that I am? Things like this might have come to mind. Now granted, the answer that the disciples give to that question are the less unpleasant comments that were being made. Because people were saying, maybe he's John the baptizer, or Elijah, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. In other words, even the people who didn't follow Jesus or necessarily believe in who he was and who he was saying that he was, they still acknowledged that the things that he said had meaning, that there was truth and wisdom to them, that he spoke with some kind of power and authority, and, and maybe they even had a sense or a glimpse that he seemed to exist on a different plane. 
And so they, they were acknowledging that, that we're, we're trying to get a sense of who you are. I, I would think maybe modern day, it, we might hear people compare Jesus to the Pope or to the Dalai Lama, right? I mean, good teachers. If you don't follow the Pope on Twitter, you should. It's, it's really good. And by the way, if you've never seen an interview with the Dalai Lama, you should. You should watch some of those videos. He's hilarious. Um, and deep and thought-provoking at the same time. But I would say probably a lot of people today who, who don't necessarily follow Jesus or believe in him would equate him to somebody like that, a good teacher, a good moral example, a smart and kind person. In fact, I'll, I'll say if you don't know somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus, or doesn't follow Jesus and haven't had the opportunity lately to have that conversation with them about who they think he might be or was or is or isn't, I would highly encourage that. Maybe you're in here or you're with us online and, and you don't know that you believe. Maybe you're not sure that's where you are, skeptical. And, and I encourage you to have the conversation Maybe you know somebody who is a person of faith and you respect them and appreciate their perspective. It'd be a good conversation to have because that's what Jesus did. He, he started this conversation with his disciples. Who, who do people say that I am? And then he turns the question to them, to the disciples. Jesus always seems to have a way of turning the question right to us. And he says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Again, what a, what a great question. We can answer that question in all kinds of ways based on our own cognitive abilities. I mean, some people might say Jesus is a fairy tale or a fraud, a lunatic or a heretic. You might say Jesus is a good person, a teacher, a social activist, a moral example. But the truth of the depth of the full answer to that question really comes from divine inspiration. Because after Peter answers, Peter's inspired answer, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. As soon as he says that, he identifies Jesus as divine, as the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the embodiment of God who is here to set the world back to right. I just think about Peter answering the question that way. What a powerful question because Jesus has asked them, who do other people say that I am? And then he turns to them, who do you say that I am? And, and they'd been following him. They'd seen what he'd done. They'd heard what he had said. And probably internally they're wrestling with, who is this guy? What is the full extent of who he is in our world and for us? And Peter, in a, in a moment of inspiration, I just imagine him stepping up and blurting it out. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. I, I imagine the, 
relief and the exhilaration when he, when he finally speaks into existence what Jesus was calling out of him. I kind of think it's like the first time you tell that significant other, I love you. You know, it's like it's all been building up inside of you and, and the evidence is there. You've just never said it and then all of a sudden here it comes. I love you. I envision that's Peter saying to Jesus, you are the one. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the presence of God here and now in our world and in our lives. And in a sense, it's, it's the same way for us. When we open up ourselves and our lives to this question from Jesus, of who do you say that I am? We have the opportunity to speak this powerful truth into existence. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And then, if you read on in the story, Jesus turns his attention and their attention really to the church, to the formation of the church. Because he says Peter's answer identifies Jesus not just as the Christ, the son of the living God for Peter, but also for them as they have become part of a new movement, a new community. I like to think that Chapel Roswell is an embodiment of this kind of community, this kind of movement where we would say together, Jesus, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah, the deliverer, the redeemer, the healer, the restorer for me, for us, for our world. And then Jesus points Peter and all of them to this perspective. And he says, this will be the foundation for the church. Upon this confession, upon your faith, I will build my church. He says, this thing in you, this spark of a new flame of faith inside of you. It's the beginning of a new movement. He says it's the investment, the initial investment that is destined to have a return greater than the world has ever seen. And if we're going to experience something, the likes of which the world has never seen, let it be the reign of Jesus, the Savior, the Lamb of God, who comes to take away the sins of the world. And much like last week when Jesus asks us the question, what are you looking for? Here he's asking us, you and me, the same question that he asked his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus to you? In history, in the world, in your life? You know, when Royce, I call her Royce now because she's a friend. We've gotten over that. Uh, when Royce asked me that question at the board, it, it, was, uh, it was initially off-putting. You know, it, it shocked my system. But it also put me in an honest moment with myself. It kind of took away all of the fluff and the high-mindedness and what other people had written and said and 
what I thought I was supposed to say. And it, it, it kind of put me at an honest moment with myself and with God, with life. And that's what this question does for us. When Jesus asks us, who do you say that I am? It's a theological question because it addresses how and what you think and believe about God. It's an eschatological question because it spans the breadth of time and space from beginning to end. It's an ecclesiastical question because it strikes to the heart of the identity of the church. And Peter, in faith and on faith, answers Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Will that be your answer? I think our world is in desperate need of some people who will answer Jesus' question this way. You are the way. You are life. You are the truth. Jesus' way is the way to peace and reconciliation and inclusion. And I, I just got to say, this racism and white supremacy and all rights crap has got to stop. That is not the way of Jesus. That is not the way of the church who follows Jesus. It's not okay, and Jesus would say so. Somehow, we are at a place to collectively repent of our penchant for dominance and violence and claim together individually, collectively, Jesus is the way. And follow his lead. In the name of Jesus. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Who do you hope and need Jesus to be? <laughs> Who do you want to believe that Jesus is? And you may just not feel like you're there yet. In just a minute, I'm going to ask if, if we can collectively respond to that question. Here. On the board. Because Jesus took the attention of his disciples and turned it from, who do they say that I am, to who do you say that I am? And so what I'd like to ask is that in just a minute, if we could all answer that question, who do you say Jesus is? Peter said he's the Christ which means the Messiah, the anointed one, the deliverer, the one who had come to make a new way to set people free, to be an end to sin and death. Scripture calls him the Savior, the Redeemer, the one who puts back together the broken pieces, the one who gives meaning and direction and purpose. The one who gives fullness to life. 
Who do you say that Jesus is? For me, Jesus is the way. I just have found the place in life where the more I read about him, who he was, how he lived, what he taught, that's the way. That's the way to live. And it'd be nice if I could do that on my own. It'd be darn impressive, actually. But I can't. I don't know that I've met anyone yet who can. And so for me to know Jesus as the way is more than an example or a model or something to aspire to or live up to. It's actually been for me someone to give my life to. It's more, more of a surrender than an achievement, if that makes sense. And that's what it has meant for me to call Jesus the way. Who do you say that he is? Savior. Redeemer. Restorer. Healer. So what we're going to do is when we sing in just a minute, we've got all these chalk pens up here. Not just chalk, chalk pens. I'd like to invite you to come up and just write on the board with me. We're, we're going to write over those other things with who we say Jesus is. So if you can put it in three words or less, I'm, I'm going to write that Jesus is the way. And you write whatever you would about how you would answer the question from Jesus. Who do you say that I am? And I just have to, this is a little bit of a logistical comment as you come. If you would come up this way, through the middle, to the board, and then you can go down off the stairs there. We've given this some thought. It'll help for the flow of traffic. <laughs> but as you come, would you let this be a, a holy moment for you? A spiritual moment where you would open yourself up so the answer that God might inspire inside of you to this question of Jesus is, who do you say that Jesus is? And then what I fully expect is what we'll have when we're done is a collective response to this question for who we are as the church, as Chapel Roswell, as people of God today. So when we start to sing, you're welcome to come and grab a chalk pen and write. But also as you do that, as you come and as we sing, that's the time that we set aside here as well for people to give back to God. So if, if you want to give an offering or give your tithe, you can do that as we sing and as we write. And just like writing up here and singing is a holy experience, I pray that that would be for you too as a way to acknowledge your thankfulness for what God has provided for you and to give back. 
and give back to the work of God through the church and through Chapel Roswell so we can be the kind of people in this community who would embody the presence of God, the love, the compassion, the peace, the reconciliation, the inclusion of the kingdom of God here and now. And and when you give, you're giving to help make that happen. So I invite you to give to while we sing and as we write. But before we do any of that, I want to ask you if we could pray together. And we'll pray with this question on our hearts and on our minds that Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Oh God, we're thankful for this good question that's deep, thought-provoking, maybe challenging, but at the same time inspiring and calling out of us an answer that you put inside of us from the beginning. We hear you. God, we hear the voice of Jesus speaking to us today, calling us to answer for ourselves, for the church, and for the world who we say that you are. And we thank you for the answers that you've put inside of us that we can share. So God, now as we come and we write, uh, as we sing, as we give and pray, we're doing it in faith. Just taking one more step closer to you, trusting that you're there and that you're going to do the things that only you can do in us and through us. Oh God, give us the answer that we can claim in faith to the question of who Jesus is. The Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.